Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Here's what we're going to be talking about today on the program. We're going to talk about uh, all these uh, nuisance lawsuits in the state of North Carolina and the large uh, settlements being granted by judges, although there's a cap there in North Carolina which brings down the amount, but still a lot of damages being awarded. We're going to talk about that with OFW attorney Gary Bays, who's worked a lot of those cases down there. So we'll get an update on that. Then we're going to take a look at crop conditions, two different stories. We'll talk with a farmer in eastern Nebraska where they've had rain and crops look good. And we'll talk with a farmer in the St. Joe, Missouri area where they've not had rain this year and things look really, really tough. Not just for farmers, but impacting a lot of uh, communities uh, throughout Missouri as well, taking some uh, uh, water restriction measures and things like that. So we'll get uh, a look at both sides of that issue, that water situation this year coming up on today's program. But right now we want to talk uh, trade and exports when it comes to dairy. And joining us now is former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack. Mr. Secretary, good to talk with you again. Mike, it's good to be with you and your listeners. Hey, with all the trade issues and all the trade challenges, we do have some good news when it comes to to dairy exports. The numbers look pretty good. Uh, They do, Mike. In fact, they are at record levels. Uh, The last six months, uh, the first six months of 2018, best six months we've ever had in dairy exports. I think it's a testimony to the to the great products that we're producing, uh, a great story that we can tell about a safe, sustainably produced product that's uh, reasonably priced and is and is very interested. Uh, you know, folks are interested around the world in, in trying our cheeses and our ingredients. And I think uh, the U.S. DEC folks have been working very hard to expand uh, our presence in these markets and and to, and to tell the U.S. dairy story. And you know, so far so good. Obviously, uh, uh, some. Uh, challenges with tariffs, but we're uh, trying to figure out strategies around that and hopeful that NAFTA negotiations get completed soon so that we can uh, restore our number one market in Mexico and maybe open up Canada as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about NAFTA. The strategy now seems to be work a deal just with Mexico and then circle back and try to get Canada in. Do you like that strategy? Well, I think I, I like any strategy that's going to get us to a, a final resolution. Uh, at the end of the day, because of the nature of the ta- tariffs that we've assessed, Mexico, as you know, has put a retaliatory tariff on our cheeses, which has basically eliminated our financial advantage that we had against the world market, uh, against our competitors in the world market. And, and it's a reality that we need to preserve that number one uh, market. We also need the opportunity through a renegotiated and modernized NAFTA to open up that Canadian market that's been closed for far too long. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that the strategy of reaching an agreement potentially with Mexico and then having the U.S. and Mexico go to Canada and saying it's time to, to basically cut a deal uh, works. Uh, and I hope that part of that deal, obviously, is to reopen the Canadian market, which has been closed, uh, as I said, for far too long. But there are some issues such as uh, the Mexico-EU deal that uh, when it comes to geographic indicators uh, as far as names of cheeses and things like that, you'd like to see addressed in NAFTA too, right? Well, there's a challenge there because we, uh, when we pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, we pulled out of the protections that it would have provided us with reference to the geographic indicators, and, and, and it's going to be difficult for us to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, however, I think there is an opportunity for us to, to narrow uh, and to really restrict 
the way in which the Mexicans interpret the EU agreement uh, so that the uh, the challenges that we face with some types of cheeses uh, are limited. Uh, we're going to have to figure out a way around those barriers that are being constructed, not just in Mexico, but also in Japan as well, with reference to the EU. I think the EU recognizes that we can produce quality cheese, world-renowned cheeses, uh, internationally recognized cheeses, and I see. I think they see the only way to compete with us is by basically trying to restrict the, uh, the ability to use certain names to their to their cheeses. Uh, I think we're going to uh, try to restrict that. We're going to try to limit that as much as we can. Uh, and if we can't, then we're going to try to figure out how we market our cheese so that consumers have the benefit of uh, quality cheeses from America. You mentioned Canada. Have you seen any indication that they're willing to make changes in, in their uh, dairy policy? Well, I think the, the reality is that this is uh, one of the issues that has yet to be really focused on in terms of the NAFTA discussions. But I think there's beginning to be a changing political climate in Canada. I think consumers are beginning to raise some issues uh, about whether or not it's, it makes sense for them to continue to pay high prices for dairy products just simply uh, because of the supply management system. I think it's uh, difficult to, to articulate uh, the support for a supply management uh, system when you basically have to export a problem, uh, which is what they've done with their Class 7. Uh, basically, they have a surplus of powder. Rather than dealing with that surplus within their own supply management system, they've exported it, uh, if you will, outside the, uh, Canada by uh, essentially undercutting world prices. Uh, that's harmed not only our producers and processors, but also producers and processors around the world. It's an unfair practice, and it's time to put an end to it. Uh, and our hope is that the renegotiated NAFTA uh, resolves that issue and also opens up markets. Uh, the tariffs in Canada have been very, very high. They need to come down. We're talking with the president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack. Now, we mentioned that the uh, the numbers, uh, the export numbers are good. Uh, who's leading the way? Is Mexico still the big market? It is, Mike, and it's continue to be. it will continue to be the big market, uh, and especially if we can get NAFTA renegotiated, obviously, get that retaliatory tariff lifted. It gives us a competitive advantage, not only logistically, but also financially. Uh, but it's not just Mexico. It's uh, We're seeing expanded opportunity in the Middle East and North Africa and Southeast Asia and Korea, Japan. Uh, we've made an aggressive effort uh, to do more new and better, uh, more people in these markets, uh, newer partnerships with the universities and culinary institutes to basically showcase uh, both the cheeses and the ingredients that we can produce in the U.S. and, and, and better promotions, uh, more wide-scale efforts on our part to, to appear at some of these trade shows to make sure that the dairy story is being told. Uh, that we have a safe product, we have an affordably priced product, but we also have a sustainably produced product. And, and I think that message is penetrating, uh, and the numbers basically show it, keeping our fingers crossed that that good news continues. No, it's tough out there for farmers and producers, uh, but obviously it would be a whole lot tougher if those, if those export numbers weren't as strong as they are. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, given the, the tensions in trade these days, how good these numbers could get if we could really uh, get some really good trade deals done. Well, that's right, and that's why uh, later this month I'm traveling to China. Uh, I realize that that may seem counterintuitive given the difficulties that are, uh, currently exist between China and the U.S., but I think this is a long-term play. Uh, basically, it may not result in any short-term gain, but I think this is a long-term play in that market. Uh, we want to make sure that they continue to see U.S. dairy uh, as someone, uh, as an industry interested in doing business in China, interested in developing relationships that, that uh, transcend, if you will, uh, the differences between governments. Um, that's the hope. Uh, I'll also be able to travel to, to Korea as well, South Korea, which is a great market for our cheeses. So we want to make sure that we continue to deepen, strengthen,
strengthen those relationships and send the message that we're in the export business in the dairy world uh, uh, for the long haul, uh, not an occasional in and out, as was uh, sort of our, our reputation many years ago. All right, Mr. Secretary, thank you for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon about a, a NAFTA deal getting done. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Mike. Bye. All right, take care. Tom Vilsack, former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. So with all the trade problems and challenges out there, uh, the dairy export numbers continue to, to stay strong and look good. U.S. dairy exports uh, continue to grow, keep their growing streak Uh, alive through the month of June and hopefully we can get some of these deals worked out soon that can open things up even more. All right, big challenges in North Carolina. A lot of uh, nuisance lawsuits uh, really impacting the pork industry. That's a huge issue in North Carolina. We're going to talk about it with uh, attorney Gary Bays next. He's worked on a lot of those cases. We'll get some insight coming up next on AOA. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, 
make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So last week, a North Carolina federal jury returned the largest verdict against Smithfield yet in what has become a series of nuisance lawsuits uh, against that company. This last one, an astounding uh, $473.5 million. Now, that actually gets reduced down to $94 million because of a state law they have that caps damages. But uh, Smithfield is battling a number of lawsuits filed by hundreds of residents living near hog operations that they say the company has failed to properly manage waste at those farms. Uh, There was a big roundtable discussion with ag leaders last week uh, looking at this issue. The president of the National Pork Producers Council called on legislators to step up, saying such suits could put more than 46,000 people out of work and cost that state, which is the nation's second largest pork producer, millions of dollars in economic activity. A lot at stake here. Let's talk about it with OFW attorney Gary Bays, who has worked on a number of these cases. Gary, thank you for joining us. Uh, First of all, your reaction to this latest uh, 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 verdict last week awarding $473.5 million uh, to the uh, folks filing this lawsuit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, thanks, Mike, for having me on. My reaction, I think, was like everyone else's, having been a hog producer myself. uh, I was stunned. Uh, at it because I couldn't figure out and still haven't figured out why North Carolina's right to farm statute was not fully protective of farmers. Uh, What we do in agriculture is, under the law, really a nuisance. I mean, we can cause inconvenience, annoyance. Uh, Our odors do invade other people's properties. Uh, Our anhydrous ammonia uh, wafts across the uh, countryside. Our dust wafts across the countryside. So in terms of plain old nuisance law, uh, we in agriculture are indeed a nuisance. However, every state has passed a right-to-farm statute to protect farmers and farm operations. For some reason, Smithfield's lawyers didn't choose to use that or didn't use it properly or something. And once you get past a right-to-farm statute in the states, say it be Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, in any of these states, they're pretty much the same. Uh, it is open field running, and that's what happened to Smithfield. Uh, I was, uh, as I said earlier, surprised at the size of this. Uh, it's three to five million in terms of compensatory damages. Uh, the huge number is run up by punitive damages. Uh, our listeners need to know that there's a major difference between those two compensatory as those damages, and I think those were awarded at the rate of three to five million per, uh, I think there were five plaintiffs. Uh, And uh, the other thing that is amazing about the case in North Carolina, generally there is a theory in the law that if you move to the nuisance, too bad. Uh, You're not protected. It's my understanding from news reports that at least one couple, if not two, had moved into the area, and they too were found to have been damaged by the practices of Smithfield's contract farmer. I mean, what this does, Mike... uh, it's pretty simple. It's going to put a lot of farmers out of business because uh, Smithfield or any contractors uh, there in 
uh, Iowa Porter in Iowa, some Manchamps there in Illinois, uh, Maxwell's over in Indiana. Uh, these suits can just be uh, continually filed. Uh, this is not the end of this. Now, what I think is going on with Smithville at this point, there are, as you know, uh, this is the third one, approximately 23 other cases to be tried, 26 in all. So the numbers here could be astounding. From what I am reading, again, only based on news reports, so this is not totally accurate, uh, is that it strikes me the Smithfield lawyers are just doing a rope-a-dope strategy at this point. Uh, they're not putting on much of a defense. In fact, they have been hamstrung by this court uh, in putting on odor experts. All the cases I've won there in Indiana and even uh, the one there from Mashoffs in Illinois we had uh, tremendous odor experts that pointed out uh, this odor was hardly existent. I don't know if that's the case in North Carolina or not, but the judge would not allow any odor experts to be put on the witness stand, I am told, in North Carolina. That's devastating for the defense. That is interesting, because I was going to ask you, have, they, have, have these operations been found to be in violation of any environmental, uh, you know, uh, guidelines and restrictions, or is it just someone that just plain doesn't like to have a operation like that near them, or doesn't like the smell at all? Uh, filing the lawsuits, what do we know about that situation? It's the latter. It's it's people who moved out to the country who think everything ought to be pristine and bucolic. They do not understand that agriculture creates um, dust, uh, odors, uh, noise. Uh, but uh, it is my understanding from reading uh, a blog that uh, one person has been uh, presenting with regard to each day of trial, uh, these folks just say, we don't like the odor. We do not like the trucks running by our property uh, at all hours of the day and night, which I suspect that may not be true. Uh, you and I both know feed trucks generally make their runs in the morning. Uh, one of the accusations is that the trucks hauling a dead hogs away died uh, run all hours of the night well you know that doesn't occur very often uh, but all of these points made by the plaintiffs under a nuisance statute says that is an annoyance that is an inconvenience for the enjoyment of my property that's what nuisance law is all about that's why it is so dangerous for agriculture. That's why, again, in all the states that uh, your stations cover, you have a right to farm statute because in every state you could have this kind of lawsuit if you did not have the right to farm statute. Now, there are about five or six of we attorneys in Iowa, Illinois, Indiana have won every one of these cases. Every one, Mike. Not one loss. It is puzzling as to why Smithfield is losing in North Carolina. So what do you think then is the, if you were planning a strategy here, what would the next step be in, in dealing with this in North Carolina? I think the only thing they can do at this point is, uh, and, and they are doing it, they want to go up on appeal. However, this judge has not been favorable to them. He is not certifying as we lawyers would call it, a, basically a final decision. He's holding that off. So right now, Smithfield is hogtied, to use a bad pun, uh, from going up to uh, the appeals court 
and having these issues uh, heard by another court. Uh, the judge, I'm told, is 86 years old, very prejudiced, uh, if you believe what I'm reading, against uh, agriculture. That's what we have to watch, and particularly in areas uh, such as, again, your stations cover. Uh, agriculture is the backbone of the economy. We cannot have judges who have no knowledge, no understanding of agriculture uh, basically hearing these cases. In my own situation, as I look at it, I would have moved to recuse this judge. Now, that is a very, very high hurdle to get over. But given some of the rulings of this fellow, uh, I at least would have tried it. Now, you probably would have failed, but at least you should have tried it. Is there a legislative uh, remedy to this? Do you, th- do you see anything coming from the legislature? Well, one of the items that uh, apparently was raised in the meeting that you raised in your introduction to this segment uh, was that uh, the congressmen and senators at the meeting in uh, Raleigh last Friday morning, as I recall, uh, were talking about a national right-to-farm statute. Uh, I would assume, uh, given the deadlock and gridlock that you see and hear about and read about in this town, would make that virtually impossible to get passed through the U.S. Congress. But that is one option that apparently came out of this meeting that you referenced. Well, obviously, this is a huge issue. And as you point out, Gary, really, uh, I mean, it has widespread ramifications. I mean, this could spread beyond just pork, and it could spread uh, certainly beyond North Carolina, as you've dealt with some of these issues in other states already. Well, the plaintiff's lawyers who bring this obviously do it for the money. This is going to be a heck of a payday for them, should they win. Uh, I guess my personal belief is that there are so many errors in this record that Smithfield should win uh, and defeat these uh, cases at the North Carolina Court of Appeals. And then with Smithfield's resources, they can go up to the North Carolina Supreme Court. I want to believe, uh, and right now this is just against pork, but Mike, as you point out, this can be any poultry operation, this can be any dairy operation, it can be any uh, cattle feedlot uh, operation uh, where a disgruntled neighbor or someone who moves in from uh, a urban uh, background can bring this kind of lawsuit with these plaintiff's lawyers who now obviously have been very, very successful. And one of the things I want to bring to your listeners' attention is that the plaintiff's lawyers are using something called a reptile theory. And I know that sounds sort of nutty uh, to the listeners, but this theory uh, is being exercised by the plaintiff's lawyers very effectively. Gary, we're out of time. Gary, we're out of time. But we'll follow up on that next time. Thank you for being with us. Okay, Mike. You bet. Take care. OFW Law Attorney Gary Bay. Stay with us on Adams on Agriculture. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. 
the Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network with a market check for this Tuesday morning. Corn is fractionally lower, soybeans are up today, and the wheat market is mixed. September corn is down a half at 3.70 and a half. December also down a half cent at 3.85. Soybeans for September up 11 and three quarters at 8.94 and a half. November beans are up 11 and a half at 9.05 even. The wheat market in Chicago September is down two and a quarter at 5.72. Kansas City September is down a half at 5.85 and a half. Minneapolis wheat for September is up two and a quarter. 631 and December's up two and three quarters at 648 and a quarter. Turning to the livestock markets, pork exports are both bearish and bullish on the market today. While U.S. pork exports to China in June clearly suffered from increased tariffs, the positive side indicates pork exports are achieving solid growth in other areas. But on the bearish side, after setting a new record in April, Pork export volume trended lower the past two months, down 3% in June, mainly due to lower exports to the China-Hong Kong region. As we take a look at the live cattle for October, unchanged on the day, 111.55. December live cattle down 35 at 114.87. Feeder cattle for September down 92 at 150.92. For November down 60 at 152.22. October hogs are up 70 at 50.92, and December hogs are up 57 at 46.02. The outside markets, the Dow is up about 150 points so far today. Crude oil is up 50 cents at 69.51. For the American Ag Network and Adams on Agriculture, that's your morning market report. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we started the show talking about some good dairy export numbers, even with all the trade issues going on. Here's some more good news. The administration announcing uh, that Morocco has agreed to import U.S. poultry meat and products for the first time. That's a new market for the industry, and it's a relatively small market. 
Some estimates have it at about a $10 million market, but could have additional growth over time. Um, U.S. poultry has been blocked over phytosanitary issues and other uh, hurdles uh, over the years. So Morocco opens up U.S. poultry meat and products. And a Brazilian judge has halted the use of products containing glyphosate. The judge ruling that products containing the chemical could not be registered in the country and existing registrations would be suspended within the next 30 days until the government reevaluates their toxicology. So we'll keep an eye on that. Well, weather is such a huge issue all the time, of course. This year we've had such extremes. Uh, Missouri... uh, dealing with the drought, although some places did get some rain uh, overnight. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But what about Nebraska? We've been hearing some good things there about how the crops look. Let's go to eastern Nebraska. And soybean farmer Greg Anderson joins us now. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Pleasure to speak with you this morning. You tell me that your uh, crop's looking pretty good. Well, I tell you, it, it does look really, really good. I could probably count on my one hand the the number of years that i've been farming that uh, you're, there's very very few challenges with weather and we have had very few challenges this this year i will say though uh, there's been some some windstorms and some hail all around me if you draw a 30 mile radius circle around my farm you don't have to go too far where you find some green snap from a late june storm uh, hail storms from late July. There's a couple of those both east and west of where I live. And so not all is fine uh, throughout this part, but where those severe weather storms have missed, it, things look really good. In fact, I don't know if they could look much better at this point. Hmm. So you've had moisture throughout the growing season then? Not only moisture, Mike, but I've had since May 1st over 19 inches of rain. And that's just unheard of, and all of that has come nice. It's, it's come without uh, a gully, what we always used to call a gully washer, where you'd get three or four inches in, in an hour or something, and most of that would run off. This is more of a drip irrigation type style of rain. It's just tailor-made, and uh, the crops are just absolutely looking great where, and re- have responded. Uh, I would say the crops are maybe a week, ten days ahead, not so much because of early planting, because... Most of the planting was done about as scheduled, about right on time. But just with the sunlight, the moisture, the growing conditions have really uh, pushed these crops along. And usually when I talk this time of, of the year, if the crops are ahead of schedule, it's because of some dry weather. But uh, here we have some really nice growing uh, conditions, heat units, sunshine. The uh, temperatures have not been adverse. Uh, very few days in the, in the 90s, I probably... Uh, just a very very few this summer earlier this summer and so from here on out you know we have another four weeks six weeks we'll hope that we can put the frosting on this crop cake and really uh, i think the the growers are going to find some very good yields sounds good greg anderson who uh, is a soybean farmer in eastern nebraska kind of give us a bit more of a uh, pinpoint of where you're at in eastern nebraska greg right folks so usually know where columbus or norfolk is uh, along highway 81 from Norfolk, I'm just 35 miles southwest from Columbus. I'm about 35 miles northwest of those cities. So just off of 81, about 20 miles west in between the two towns. And, uh, you know, through here, uh, it's just uh, been a, a year where uh, we've the, the, those who irrigate really have not run their center pivots, and that's almost unheard of. Nebraska is a heavily irrigated state. 
state. And so I know the irrigators are, are, are very pleased about that. Um, they don't have to be spending the extra money, especially with the low commodity prices, on getting water onto their fields. So no, uh, no real insect uh, issues either? You know, I sprayed virtually all my acres with um, both fungicide and insecticide the last Friday of July. I, uh, when I scouted my fields, very, very few insects, uh, really nothing to be concerned about. Um, a few uh, stink bugs, not very many, a few tiny little grasshoppers. I really don't know where they came from because of all the rain, but, you know, there's a few that, that had hatched. Uh, I had to look long and hard, Mike, just to find one soybean aphid. But nevertheless, I did spray. I, I, I figured I'm putting on fungicide. Let's do it with airplane insecticide, too. That'll buy me a couple of weeks here in August and probably get past that insect pressure uh, as we go along and, and really hope to uh, finish that crop out well with uh, plant health and with uh, as much, you know, less distractions as it could possibly face. I was going to ask about disease. No real disease issues either? No. Uh, you'll find uh, some here and there. Uh, I know uh, some some folks are, are talking about um, some white mold in areas. I haven't seen it at this point. Um, there's really nothing to be too concerned about. Uh, you always have some spots, though, maybe some of some stem rot, um, frog eye leaf spot and things like that. But uh, isolated cases, certainly nothing that would sweep through a field and cause uh, cause a great concern. So what is your yield potential? I mean, is this going to be your best ever crop? Well, I, uh, I will say it has the potential to be the best ever crop. I, I think Nebraska as a whole is looking, you know, these crop ratings come out every week, and you just uh, stand amazed at the good to excellent uh, percentage is just record high. We'll see. Uh, August has a lot of uh, potential to go kind of either way. Uh, the old saying, soybeans are made in August, I would say probably tweak that a little bit because of earlier planting that we used to do like 20 years ago. Uh, we're, we're planting a, a month earlier now, so I always kind of target July 20th to August 20th as a prime time. We get moisture there. I, I've had uh, about 60 hundredths of rain here just recently. That'll carry me, you know, for a while again. And I'm a dryland farmer. I don't irrigate. So I'm looking for hopefully, you know, another inch or two of rain um, here uh, within the next 10 days to two weeks. That would certainly boost yields. The plant is still forming. Um, it's still blooming at the top of the plant, shooting uh, little pods. And so if we uh, get these conditions to really click for us, it's going to really top end uh, those yields. Well, I've been on your farm before. I've seen some good crops. Sounds like this one's even better than what I've seen there in the past. I think you would find that, Mike, and, and, you, and you and the team are always welcome here anytime as you swing by this way. But it, it is a showcase. Um, I can't say that every year, but this year uh, we've been blessed just not only with weather, but uh, good you know, growing conditions, all those factors that uh, really put in the recipe to make a good crop. We have it going for us this year. I know folks uh, who are dry, um, I've experienced that in 2012 and other years where you just – can't you know buy a rain almost but this year it seems like everything's clicking and uh, hopefully we can avoid those hailstorms those windstorms here on out and uh, and and bring this harvest home uh, probably you know mid to late September will be starting for sure yeah there's always that uh, that 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 second part of that it's not in the bin yet right the harvest isn't done yet as good as it is now it's not done it's not finished so you always have to be uh, kind of cautious of that 
Absolutely. One has to just, uh, you know, be patient and, and uh, see what, uh, what everything brings here in the next few weeks. But, so we don't want to count it before it's in. But uh, all factors leading up in this part of the state, uh, right, right in this immediate area, things look really, really good. Greg, as we have talked before, uh, you are all soybeans, continuous soybeans, year after year, and that has worked for you, hasn't it? Well, it has, and it, it's interesting. We're going to have a Nebraska Soybean Board field day here uh, nearby in a nearby town next, uh, actually tomorrow. And I've invited uh, the extension folks from, from Nebraska who are putting that on, as well as university researchers and, and soil scientists, uh, those, that group of people, uh, to come by my farm. I, I call it a 29-year uh, research uh, experiment. <laughs> I've been growing beans that long uh, continuously, and I don't know. They probably would have to drive a little ways to find something similar to that. I don't know, even know in the country if you could find something that's been going that long. But I've been doing it sustainably. Uh, as, as I said, this year would probably be, if everything holds together the way this crop looks, the best year I've ever experienced. And I really attribute it to a lot of factors. You know, modern-day technology, we have um, certainly uh, ability to grid sample and soil sample. And I, I really think it begins and starts, you know, starts and begins everywhere with the soil. Uh, get that pH, NPK levels, but going way beyond that to your micronutrients and other elements to all be balanced and to feed this crop, um, watch for diseases. I think, Mike, it can really be done, especially in my area. I would not say it's for everyone. I'll be the first to say that. Certainly in some parts of the country, you just can't because of certain diseases or uh, maybe it's too wet, uh, different conditions. But in this part of the country, it has worked very, very well for me, at least, I can say. Well, Greg, good to hear that you're having a, a very good year. Glad that uh, things have uh, gone well for you, and we hope that uh, it finishes out just as strong. Have a great harvest, and good to talk to you again. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. You have a good day. Thanks for the update, Greg. Appreciate it. Greg Anderson, a soybean farmer near Columbus, Nebraska, eastern part of the state. Well, so we just heard how good things have been for him in that area, but of course uh, in other places not so good, such as in Missouri and in that St. Joseph, Missouri area, things have been so very dry. Several towns are even rationing water use, and uh, some rural water districts have restricted water use for livestock, no water to buy to fill tanks to water cows. Some folks comparing it to 1936 or 1954, 1980s, some of the real bad drought years. Uh, we're going to talk about that with the situation in Missouri, especially in that St. Joseph, Missouri area, coming up next with Gene Miller, who farms in that area. I think he's telling me that uh, they may have gotten some rain uh, finally uh, last night. Let's hope so. Uh, we'll get an assessment of that situation, what they're dealing with uh, throughout Missouri. That's coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. 
Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, Immigration Reform, Reducing Regulations, Trade, New Technology, as well as Infrastructure and Health Care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Okay, we heard how good it is in eastern Nebraska for Greg Anderson. Now let's hear how bad it is in Missouri, around St. Joseph, Missouri. Gene Miller joins us. Although, Gene, you you send me a picture of a rain gauge, and it, it looks like it actually has water in it. I don't know where it came from, Mike. I mean, it just <laughs> showed up there last night. It blew in from somewhere. We, you know, we had the first rain last night that we've had. Oh, maybe a month, two months. I I think we ended up uh, the whole month of July with maybe about uh, three cents to six tenths. But we got an inch, inch and a half out here at the farm, uh, east of St. Joe, about 25 miles. And I had engaged reports in in St. Joe of two, two, two and a half inches. But a lot of uh, wind with it, 60 mile an hour wind. And some of the corn I looked at this morning didn't look very pretty. I mean, it was dead and uh, you know drought damaged and that much wind it just kind of swirled it up and tangled it up in places it's <laughs> it's going to be kind of a challenge because it's obviously never going to you know come back up straight now yeah just adding to the problems there but that rain yep. uh, may help your beans though well yes i think that is going to be a, a resurrection of the dead we hope uh it's it's not a total answer because it was so dry i mean an inch and a half of rain just disappear when it gets back 90 to 95 degrees like it's been every day and so uh, it does give it a chance i mean last year uh we got a two inch rain on the fourth of august uh that saved us and this year we get an inch and a half in uh, you know the seventh of august so maybe uh, maybe there's a chance for some of these beans making but they're knee high um you know they've been the same height now for six seven weeks and uh, a lot of blooms a lot of pods trying to form but as we well know, unless you get a good August uh, rain soaker, uh, it, it just doesn't fill out. Gene, you tell Biggest me your big challenge. Grass, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Your grass, your livestock situation, it, it's it's forced to some tough decisions. Yes, yeah, there's been some really hard choices to make. Uh, this is a diversified area. Uh, you know, we've got uh, folks around here that have 100 cows, 200 cows, Talked to one guy this last week, had 600 head of cows, and they're already feeding hay. They're having trouble finding water, uh, hauling water in some places that have never had to haul water before, and just being able to acquire water to haul has become an issue the last few days. Some of these rural water districts uh, are just uh, really suffering. Some of the small-town municipal supplies have dried up, 
and uh, so they're rationing water about every place. Now this is going to help, obviously, but it's it's not a total solution until uh, we get really more sustained period of of anywhere close to average moisture. Hey, if you can get it, it's pretty expensive, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. The uh, you know there is some forced uh, liquidation of cow herds. I mean, hay has gotten so expensive here, and because we ran out last year and hay got up to an exorbitant price this spring uh, to finish out last year's feeding season, but now it's started. And you know the saddest story I heard this week, Mike, is we've got a, a really nice Amish community at Jamesport, Missouri. And there's several Amish communities around, and they have no uh, hay for or grazing for their horses. And of course, that's their their key livelihood and power. So uh, they're you know they're just having to pay exorbitant prices to get some hay to feed the horses to keep keep their farmsteads going. And that's kind of a sad taste. You mentioned the corn. Uh, how soon will you get out there to try to get what you can get out of that? I would not be shocked and surprised to see uh, somebody trying to shell corn next week. Uh, it's very uneven. I mean, some of it is just totally dead. You get a little low spot, a little place with a little more water collected. Uh, it's still showing green, and yet the, uh, the 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 ears are so small that even though they had the potential to really fill, we had a good look at start. I mean, we planted corn. Uh, within uh, seven days after the last snow in April. So the early plant corn pollinated great, uh, had great prospects, but that's just shrunk down. And uh, so it's going to be very light test weight. Uh, you can take an ear and try to break it off, and it'll just twist, you know, a third of the way around. So it's going to be very hard to shell, and you're just going to have to wait. You know, just be a little patient. It's going to be hard to do. Uh, but it's going to be kind of a challenge getting merchantable uh, out of the field. Nobody can tell what it's going to yield anywhere from 50, 75. Some optimists were saying, oh, we still might have 100 bushel out there somewhere. But uh, last year was running a 200 range, so whatever it is, it's going to be uh, far short of, of expectations. So for your area, 2018 will now be mentioned along with 1936, 1954, some of those kind of years. Yes. Yes, it's being compared to 1936, 1954, uh, uh, 1980 was another uh, very severe dry period. So the thing about it is, Mike, this is not just a this-year event, because we ended last year on the record here at about 7, 8 inches below normal for and uh, we've not had any recharge at all this year. We're now another 11 inches below normal for this year. That's a lot. Wow. So yeah. it's, uh, it's it, it looks a little bit like uh, uh, Flagler, Colorado around here, you know, in the uh, eastern Colorado plains. That, that's how dry it looks. Yeah, when you're that far behind, it takes a long time to catch back up, doesn't it? Yeah, you're not going to catch up with one one-inch rain. I mean, you got cracks in the ground. There's cracks in the middle of gravel roads that uh, you've never seen, you know, that happen before. And it's broke some water lines in some of these rural communities. And there's three or four small communities up here in a 40-mile area that have no uh, water systems because the lines are broke. We've been trying to repair them. And uh, it's just uh, been, you know, 
are donated for bottling purposes. Churches have opened up uh, their facilities where they have water for people to come in and take showers. So, you know, it's kind of a, you know, not a good scenario situation for this part of the country for this year. Well, let's hope this inch and a half to two inches your area got is the start of uh, more rain to come for you. So uh, thanks for the update, Gene. You bet. You bet. Take care. Thanks, Mike. You bet. Gene Miller from uh, the St. Joseph, Missouri area. So that shows the extremes. Uh, Greg Anderson, eastern Nebraska, great conditions. Gene Miller there in the St. Joe, Missouri area, really struggling with drought this year. Coming up tomorrow, we'll get a report from uh, the big bike rally in Sturgis and ethanol promotions going on there and a farm progress show preview plus more. Join us on Adams on Agriculture.